So why is it I'm always talking about healing whenever I talk about addiction? And I spend a lot of time talking about the process of healing, which for me typically leads into spiritual matters or the spiritual aspects of healing. This question is easy to understand. Once we begin to understand the nature of addiction, in this broadcast, I want to take a brief look at conditions and issues that contribute to addiction amongst Native people. And then later, I want to review a crossroads where somebody can continue the path of addiction behaviors or move into and choose the path of healing and living a life of recovery and sobriety. My name is Roland Martin. I am a drug and alcohol counselor with Empete Luto Tipi. Empete Luto Tipi is the OST substance abuse program for the OST people. Later in this broadcast, I'll provide more information about the services Empete Luto Tipi provides. Addiction has many forms and ways to express itself. It could be to a substance or it could be a behavior. Substance could be alcohol, amphetamines, or opioids. If your addiction isn't to a substance, it could be to a behavior. For example, work, sex, gambling, or any other repeated behavior that has negative consequences. Here is one definition of addiction provided by Dr. Gebar Mate in his book, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. <clears throat> it reads, Addiction is any repeated behavior, substance-related or not, in which a person feels compelled to persist, regardless of its negative impact on his life and lives of others. Addiction involves, number one, compulsive engagement with a behavior, a preoccupation with it. Number two, impaired control over the behavior. Number three, persistence or relapse despite evidence of harm. And number four, dissatisfaction, irritability, or intense cravings when the object, be it a drug or activity or other goals, is not immediately available, end quote. So I have the question, what is it behind these repeated behaviors and strong cravings resulting in persistent behaviors regardless of the negative consequences in one's life or the effects of it on other people? There are various ways to answer that question, but for now, I want to focus on one way of looking at it. It is a way to escape what is felt inside. It's a way to avoid how one feels when they're not under the uh, effects of a particular drug or behavior. For example, once I asked an elderly lady why she drinks so much. She just looked at me, uh, cried some, and then said to avoid how I feel. I asked her, what is it that she feels? She said, grief. I asked her, grief over what? The loss of her son. It turns out she lost her son four years prior to the onset of her heavy drinking. This is just one example. Most clients have a similar story to tell. If it's not grief, it is some other emotional pain. As Dr. Gabor expresses, drug addiction is typically an attempt to make things better. They may find temporary relief from what they feel inside but that pain will return. And the uh, effects of the addiction is going to exasperate, make things much worse. Many clients are unable to identify what is felt inside. That's because they spent a good part of their lives uh, consciously or subconsciously 
repressing what is felt. It is my experience that many or most of the people who have drug addiction, alcohol addiction problems have extensive trauma in their past. Too many people have a very narrow view of trauma. They are unable to recognize trauma in their life. They may just see it as a difficult time in their past without recognizing how it has effects on them in current time today, resulting in their own attitudes and behaviors they don't like. They may feel the effects of drama around family, friends that go that continue to this day, but they don't see a way out. They may feel this is just the way life is because they lived it and they see around them in other people. There are varying degrees to the severity of addiction. Some may be chronic, either every day. Others may be from time to time, more of a binge drinker or drug user. Regardless of the frequency or intensity of the addiction, the underlying root causes for addiction are the same. And as I touched on earlier, the driver's roots of addiction may come from a variety of sources. There is one thing that is very clear. Any group of people with a oppressive history will have high rates of trauma, trauma that has been passed down through generations. We're talking about the effects of colonization, historical trauma, genocide, and generational trauma. Over many, many generations, it's like this river of pain has saturated into a large portion of our people. And what allows this pain to persist and to spread is the effects of a cultural genocide. The saturation of this pain into our psyche and emotional state remains and actually spreads. When our natural healing ways are forcibly removed from a good portion of our people through the boarding school experience, along with the suppression of the wisdom keepers. I'm going to read this bit here from Google on the search concerning this topic. Throughout history, colonization and assimilation efforts have involved tactics such as rounding up and suppressing indigenous wisdom keepers and cultural leaders. This was done in attempt to weaken and erase the native cultures and traditions as these individuals held significant knowledge and influence within their communities. These tactics were part of a broader strategies to impose the culture, religion, and values of the colonizer on indigenous peoples, end quote. In a way, we had this natural inoculation, this natural immunity to a sickness, a sickness that can only reside within the mind. Before European contact, we had a much clearer understanding of the nature of spirit, the nature of oneness, of things, our place within the big picture. This clear sense of who we are is a clear vision of reality. When you stand in clear understanding of spirit and experience of it, nothing shakes you, nothing takes your peace. Bodies may be attacked and destroyed, but with a clear sense of vision, it's understood we are not bodies, we are spirit, and a strong sense of peace remains, regardless of what's happening within the environment. This is the strength within Native people around the world share. For a people to experience defeat or oppression, they have to feel it 
And for them to feel it, it has to be a state of mind where they see themselves as defeated or oppressed. In other words, they are no longer with their higher vision, their higher understanding of spirit. Nobody is oppressed until they see themselves as oppressed. And this seeing occurs within the mind. It is a correct vision of what is real, what is true. So to oppress a people, to colonize them, to assimilate them, they have to go after their mind, take away their access to the wisdom of their culture, which is their strength. This occurred over the many, many generations of Native Americans going through the boarding school experience. When the young were in boarding school, they didn't have access to their parents for the knowledge and the wisdom transfer from parent to child, nor the transfer from grandparent to the child. Without the higher vision of spirit, one thing that happens is we now identify as bodies. And as bodies are abused, neglected, punished, attacked, oppressed, we now believe it is us who is abused, neglected, abandoned, oppressed, victimized. Without the stable, consistent, secure sense of peace within, which was the wisdom of the past, without that, we are now very vulnerable to the deceptions, the illusionary state of the physical world, where we believe we are bodies. Another thing that I believe that was lost within the cultural genocide is the awareness, the understanding that we have access to what is true. We have access to the correct vision within us. This is the wisdom of the past, which really never left us. It resides within us constantly. And I spoke about this a lot in previous broadcasts. It is found within the stillness of the mind, where truth resides. We can never truly leave our source, nor can we fully forget the nature of our state, which is spirit and wholeness, oneness. The reason I'm talking about these things is just so we can better understand the nature of the pain that so many of our people carry within, resulting in horrible attempts to make things better through the use of alcohol and drugs or other addiction behaviors. Long ago, when our grandparents were placed in boarding school, these young minds no longer had access to the teachings and wisdom of their parents and their grandparents. The lessons that were learned were not so much a verbal lesson, but more of a presence, more of an observation of how to be, how to be a good relative, how to respond to a traumatic event, how to respond to each other in a good way, how to see yourself and society in a spiritual way, how to see things in a wholeness, how to cultivate a stillness of the mind within nature, how to hear what is true from within. This was not only accomplished through being in the presence of mature adults. It was accomplished through social norms and behaviors. For example, if we had bad behavior within community, we didn't seek punishment. We didn't seek judgment. We seeked restorative practices to restore the harmony, to restore what is missing within the individual who is doing the wrong, along with restoring back to wholeness the one who feels they may have been done wrong. Overall, it was a healing of the mind for the ones involved, which likely will involve family and community members. It was the restoration of peace within people and community 
for to assure continued survival of the group in our grandparents' time when they were removed from the family and the group and placed into boarding schools, this transfer of wisdom and knowledge could not occur. How to be a good relative, how to see yourself, how to understand the world you're in, and how to experience wholeness in spirit, the oneness of everything. All of this important information was not transferred for the majority of the boarding school students. Instead of receiving a natural worldview of things, they received and acquired a unnatural worldview of things that goes counter to native thought, native wisdom, native vision. This is very important to understand, as this opened the door to bring in the hurt, the pain, to see oneself as individual, as body, as victim, as victimizer, as guilty, as shameful, and as a body, oppressed, abused, neglected, abandoned, attacked, devalued, etc. The young grew up with the absence of the mature spiritual wisdom that provides a peace of mind and security. Within the absence of the spiritual awareness, this vision, this lived experience of wholeness, as I stated earlier, the mind becomes vulnerable to the deceptive nature of the physical world. Without the spiritual identity of wholeness, we now believe we are bodies, and as bodies, we are abused, neglect, abandoned, rejected, guilty, shameful, etc. With that comes a great deal of pain. It's a pain that is carried within and transmitted from one generation to the next within the family, within the community, because hurt people hurt other people. Wounding seeks to wound. This is expressed through the family drama, through individual relationships drama, through the uh, extensive trauma that's occurring to this day. The problem really is not so much the trauma and the pain as it is really an absence of awareness, an absence of spiritual insight, spiritual vision, and understanding the true nature of spirit. Because what is true is not vulnerable to illusions. Illusions can occur within individuals, and it definitely can occur within groups, within society. I spoke a lot about illusions in previous broadcasts. Illusions have no effect on what is true. The truth does reside within us. The memory remains within us. This is what I see as our true true strength within the culture. The greatest correction that I'm aware of for behaviors we don't want within us or within family or community is from the source within us, found within the stillness of the mind where truth resides. You might question, why is it called stillness of the mind? This is so because illusion and truth cannot be held in the mind at the same time. They cannot occupy the same space within the mind at the same time. It's either illusion or it's truth. Both are two completely different thought systems. And I spoke about this already in previous broadcasts. So to summarize a little bit, the uh, under the efforts of colonization, the federal government utilized boarding schools to assimilate Native people into mainstream culture. Assimilation involves removal of behaviors, cultures, norms, 
spiritual practices, etc. Kill the Indian, Save the Man was a slogan used by the federal boarding school system. Here is something I found on this topic from the Google machine. Open quote. The phrase, kill the Indian, save the man, was coined by Richard Henry Pratt in the late 19th century. Pratt was an army officer and the founder of the Carlisle Indian School, his, the, the first off-reservation boarding school for Native American children in the United States. His philosophy and approach to Native American education was based on the belief that indigenous cultures were inferior to European American culture. He advocated for the assimilation of Native American children into white society by eradicating their cultural, linguistic, and spiritual identities. This phrase encapsulates the belief that to save Native American children, their cultural identity had to be completely replaced with that of the dominant Euro-American culture. This approach has long lasted and had long-lasting detrimental effects on Native American communities and is now widely regarded as a form of cultural genocide, end quote. The reason I'm focusing on this is to have a more comprehensive understanding of how addiction within Native people got its start. What are the origins of high rates of addiction amongst Native Americans today? By piecing the parts together, piece by piece, we can go back to where the traumatization of Native Americans began. As I stated earlier, our greatest strength was our culture. And at the center of our culture was a spirituality that provided the experience of oneness, of everything. This is a vision that is aligned with truth. It's goes beyond the body. We understand we are not the body. We understand that our nature is spirit, and that is a security, a constant state of peace. Nothing can take that from you. This is the correct alignment of vision with truth. It is only in the absence of this lived truth that the vision of self, family, and society is blurred. Without this clear understanding of the nature of spirit, we begin to identify as bodies. We then begin to believe we are the body, which is vulnerable to attack, abuse, neglect, rejection, destruction, abandonment, etc. This is very painful. Without the spiritual wholeness, oneness of things, we are left with the emptiness within, a void within. This is also painful. And as stated earlier, hurt people hurt other people. This becomes a generational transmission of hurt and pain from the earlier days of the boarding school. Then again, I think the disruption of spiritual understanding began when the struggle started to maintain our land and a way of life. When we understand that pain, grief, hurt, emotional pain is one of the main, if not the main cause of addiction behaviors, we can actually trace the pain within our people back to an earlier time and connect the pieces to get a more clear picture of why addiction is so heavy now amongst our people. The World Health Organization, within their literature, states, open quote, the methamphetamine problem is a trauma problem, end quote. To address and work with addiction, it's helpful to have a more comprehensive understanding of the nature of addiction. Behind the addiction behaviors is a pain and hurt. 
behind the pain and hurt is the absence of spiritual awareness, spiritual experience of oneness. All too often, when people feel the hurt, the pain, the grief, the guilt, the shame, whatever it might be, they have this natural tendency to think or to behave in a way that says, just don't think of it, don't look at it, don't remind me of it, and things will be okay. Well, they're not going to be okay, because these things don't leave. They remain within us until we release it. Some of us learn to walk with the hurt and pain. We repress it. We avoid it. We actually forget the trauma, whatever it might be. As long as it remains within, it will always affect us. This is the roots of arguments. This is the root of drama within families, within any relationship we have. It's the problems we may experience at work. It's the problems we have in society. It's the roots of uh, addiction, of violence, of all the things and behaviors we don't want within ourselves or within family or society. It's the hurt and pain that is behind these behaviors. Because the nature of pain is that it spreads, we have a horizontal spreading of pain. In other words, on the um, playgrounds within boarding schools, kids hurt each other. Bullies are really wounded people. They hurt within. Attack, judgment, and blame occurs amongst people everywhere. At home, in community, at work. The hurt and pain is transmitted horizontally from one generation to the next. One thing is understood about historical trauma. If not intervened, it does get worse with each generation. As far as I'm concerned, healing has nothing to do with fixing a situation, finding justice in a legal system. Getting revenge just makes it worse. The true nature of healing has nothing to do with fixing anything in our environment or in our past. It does have everything to do with accessing the stillness of the mind, where the truth resides. I spoke about this extensively in previous broadcasts. Within the stillness of the mind, we bring, we allow whatever it is that is painful to enter. The stillness of the mind is best defined as having no concepts, no judgments, no blame, no concepts of self, society, nothing, just complete stillness. Within stillness, we just observe. We are purely observing whatever it is that hurts, whatever the pain is. We bring it into the stillness and just look at it. That's all. Because in the presence of truth, they both cannot coexist. So therefore, what is illusion must disappear. It goes back to nothing. Because illusion in the beginning is nothing. What is constant and stable and untouched by illusion is truth. Basically, healing is unlearning what is false, releasing it. As far as I'm concerned, this is a holy moment. When someone, in their own way, learns how to do this, the peace starts to come to them. The validation that they're on the right path is very powerful, because for the first time, they really experience a deep level of constant peace, that nothing can shake them, nothing can take the peace away. The world around them does not change, but how they see, how they view, their vision of the world around them shifts. 
they can now see it with correct perception and be untouched, unharmed by whatever is going on around them because they have a sense of what's real and what's not. As emphasized in this quote, I always like to quote this. In Black Elk's book, Black Elk Speaks, there's a quote in there, open quote. The first piece, which is the most important, is that which comes within the souls of people when they realize their relationship, their oneness with the universe and all its powers. And when they realize at the center of the universe dwells the great spirit and that its center is really everywhere. It is within each of us, end quote. We have Black Elk to make this statement, but the same statement, the same uh, thought system is shared throughout the world amongst Native people throughout time. What I've talked about here today has everything to do with addiction healing, addiction recovery. This is all I have time for today. My name is Roland Martin. I am a drug and alcohol counselor with Empathy Luta Otipi. If you would like to hear this broadcast again, Go to Spotify, look under Native Addiction Healing. The name of this episode is titled The Roots of Addiction. I will repeat this one more time at the end of this broadcast. Ampete Utotipi is the OST Substance Abuse Treatment Services. The services provided by Ampete Utotipi are alcohol and drug assessments, DUI, DWI education classes, outpatient groups, aftercare, recovery support groups, medication-assisted treatment, and parenting classes. For more information on these services, contact an office near you. We have offices in Martin. Phone number is 605-685-6400. Pine Ridge, 605-867-5595. Kyle, 604-455-2331. Wombly, 605-462. 6480 and in Sweat, where I'm located, 605 685 1582. We are looking for employees to open up a residential treatment program. If you are interested with employment with Empathetical TP, contact one of our offices. If you would like to hear this broadcast again, you can go to Spotify. Look under Native Addiction Healing. This particular episode is called The Roots of Addiction. This is all I have for today. Thank you for listening.